This morning, um, we are celebrating our homecoming. And I know for most people, that's just a tradition that we do. Homecoming is a celebration of our church's heritage. It is a, it's a celebration to look back at where we've come from and look at where we are and how we got here and the people that have played a part in that. And so today I want to be able to take just a little bit of time and be able to do that. Um, we have not always, we've not always had a church in this community. Just a little history on the church, um, and I'm just summarizing it for you. But basically, somewhere around the early 1900s, 1903, 4, somewhere around in there, they decided that we were going to have a revival down the creek at, um, you know, where the bridge crosses the creek, right down the road right here, crosses Richland Creek. Over in the field right there to the left, if you're going north, to the left, right there on the side of the creek, they put a tent up. And they had so many people come to that tent meeting from the community that they decided that a church needed to be built in the community. And so somewhere around 1910, I believe it was, they, they built the first church in this community. And it was the old church that burned back in 2001. But they built that church in that community. <clears throat> and the church went on strong, and then somewhere around the 30s, 40s, 50s in that area, this community right here was a very booming community. Uh, it was known as Well Station. Matter of fact, this wasn't 166 North. This wasn't Campbellsville Highway. This was Well Station Road. And this was the road that went to Well Station where the, trains, where the train came through and stopped and uh, farmers could come and bring their goods and they could put them on the trains and they could get them. Uh, they could get money for them. There was a post office. There was a gen two general stores, I believe. There was uh, two cotton gins at Well Station. There was... Um, um, the phosphate mines back here were a major booming business. I mean, this was a, this was a happening place, believe it or not. <clears throat> but it wasn't long before all of that when the phosphate mines closed and things really started coming down that eventually the church wasn't, um, wasn't booming like it once was and there was very few people attending. So somewhere around the uh, late 60s, early 70s, I believe it was, um, they ended up just closing the doors to the church down here. And somewhere around the, the 70s, uh, the man that owned the land and the building basically belonged to, uh, he decided that he was going to start using the church down there as hay storage. It had been sitting there for so long and nobody went to it, so he's going to use it to put hay in it. Now this is a true story. On the day that he was coming with a load of hay to put it into that church building, guess what happened? Lightning struck the steeple. And he decided, I think his name was George White, I believe was his name, he decided that that was a pretty good sign that God didn't want that building turned into a hay barn. And so he decided that he wouldn't turn it into a hay barn. Well, several years passed by after that, and somewhere around the late 70s, I believe it was, um, they started going around the community just asking how many people would be interested in, in a church starting back up in the community. And again, long story short, I think there were just a handful of people, uh, 12 or so members, I believe it was, maybe less than that, that they decided they were going to start it back up. And then Brother Mac Pinkleton, which I'm sure you've heard that name before, most of you have, Brother Mac Pinkleton, he was a pastor at New Hope Baptist Church, and then he decided that he would put uh, wells on his circuit, 
And so he started pastoring both churches. And then so during this time, the church was up and down, a few members, a lot less members. But uh, the church held strong. Um, it could have closed down several times, but um, so many things could have stopped us from having a church in this community. And you would have been going to church somewhere else today. It wouldn't have been at Wells Baptist Church where we're at today. But through the years, God put faithful people in place to continue coming when it was very few that would come. And they kept supporting and they kept the church going. And now I want you to just think about the people that have been ministered to in their Christian faith today as a result of a church remaining in this community. I don't know about you, but I know God is sovereign and He could have put me anywhere. But I owe my faith today to first and foremost His sovereignty, but then second, to the people of this church. Because when I first come in here as an old punk, i just call it like it was, uh, chewing my... <laughs> I didn't expect no amens on that, brother. But, <clears throat> but when I first come in here, I can remember the, the love that the church showed me. And I'm telling you, I really was. I was a young punk. I didn't know nothing. And... Um, but yet this church showed me so much love and they invested in me and they encouraged me. And, uh, and the truth of the matter is, they are a big reason of why I am who I am today because of the love and the mercy and the grace that they showed me day after day after day. And I know that most of us in here can say that same thing. Um, I'm so thankful for a church uh, being in this community. But I want you to notice in Matthew chapter, eight, uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, Chris read it earlier. Jesus gave us what we call the Great Commission. Now, a lot of people think that the Great Commission is about just going out and just preaching the gospel. That that's the Great Commission. we got to go out and preach the gospel. Can I tell you this morning that that is a very small part of the Great Commission? Now, I don't mean to diminish it, but I want you to understand that's just the beginning part. Notice what He says here. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So in other words, does he have a right to tell us what to do? Okay. So here's what he says. Here's his command. Go therefore. Why, Jesus? Because all authority has been given to me and I said so. Can I get an amen from any of y'all mamas and daddies in here? Because I said so. Go therefore and do what? Let's stop right there. There's the Great Commission. The Great Commission in summary is not preach the gospel. The Great Commission in summary is not baptize people, as many as you can. The Great Commission is not just teach people. The Great Commission is to make disciples. Make disciples of all nations. Now a disciple was a follower. A disciple was someone who came along beside of you and they learned to do what you did. For a blacksmith, they may have a disciple and they would come along beside of them and they would learn how to work metal and how to build things using fire and using iron. And so to be a disciple is much more than just someone that just walks with you. You are learning their trade. You are learning to walk like they walk, to do what they do. Jesus commanded us in the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now, in that, as we make disciples, is preaching the gospel very important? You better believe it. 
So preaching the gospel is an important part of it. But then it doesn't stop there. That's just the beginning. When people believe the gospel, then we baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then we teach them to observe all that Jesus has commanded us. And so ultimately, the apostles walked with Jesus as His disciples. They learned from Him. They were trained by Him. And now their responsibility is to go therefore, preach the gospel, make more disciples, baptize them, and teach them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And the process goes on and on and on. Where does the heart of the Great Commission take place? Does the heart of the Great Commission take place on the mission field in another country? The beginning of it does. The beginning of it, preaching the gospel. The heart of the Great Commission takes place in the church, in the body of Christ. Let me show you a a description of that in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. Paul describes this process. It says, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Now think about that for just a minute. The apostles and the prophets, what do they do? They lay the foundation. They lay the foundation for the church. The prophets have been proclaiming His coming and what He was going to be like and what we're looking for. The apostles walked with Him. They gained His knowledge and now the foundation is laid through the apostles and through the prophets. And then, after that, who comes next? The evangelists. The evangelists go out into the world and they spread the gospel. They preach the gospel. And evangelists are very important. And then we have the shepherds, the pastors, and the teachers. And what do the pastors and the teachers do? Well, they teach them to observe all things that Jesus commanded. They equip the saints for the working of the ministry. They equip the saints to build up the body of Christ until, here's the goal, until we attain to the unity of the faith. In other words, we have finally come to a place where all of us are in the same place as far as our understanding of doctrine and things. And so we're working toward that unity of faith. And then we're also trying to come to the knowledge of the Son of God. We're trying to come to the knowledge that Jesus has so that we can have that same knowledge. We're trying to come to a mature manhood. And what does that look like? The measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You know why we come in here Sunday after Sunday and Wednesday after Wednesday in small groups and we're in here trying to learn and we're studying the Bible and we're teaching it to you? The reason we do that is because we are trying to reach this maturity level of being more and more like Christ. In other words, we're making disciples, right? The church, the body of Christ where we come together and do this and as each part does its share, growth occurs. Look, so that we may no longer be tossed like children, to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. But it's there, we're coming to the unity of faith, right? We're coming to a place to where we're studying the Word of God together so that we're learning it together. We're understanding it together. And we're no longer tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. But instead of crafty schemes and deceitful speaking, what do we do in the church? Rather, we speak the truth in love. Every Sunday, I stand up here and I try to make sure that I'm proclaiming the truth 
of God's Word to you. I rightly divide the Word of truth so that you can understand what it's saying. And as we do this, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by what every joint with which it is equipped supplies. When each part is working properly, guess what happens? The body grows so that it builds itself up in love. So let me ask you again, very simply, where does the heart of making disciples take place at? Right here. This is why we invest so much into the ministry that we're doing here. Now, are we still going unto all the world and preaching the gospel? You better believe it. But we're discipling and we're making disciples in what we're doing right here. Now, I am thankful that the reason why I am a disciple today is because God saw fit to keep a church in this community. Are y'all tracking with me? And so I want to take a minute today and I want to recognize that for homecoming, just a few people that have made an impact on us today in this church. I'm not going to get everybody, okay? There have been so many throughout the years. But we have lost some good ones in the last year or so, right? And so I would like to take a few minutes and just remember them and some of the things that they have done. The first one I'll start with, Mr. Aubrey Archer, Miss Christine Morris. Um, uh, That's just a couple. And the reason I want to start with them is because these are the kind of people that they weren't involved in a bunch of ministries in the church, but they were faithful to be here. And the reason I say that is this. If it weren't for that handful of few people in the 70s that were faithful to just be here, the place could have been turned into a hay barn. It takes people willing that even though they may not have gifts like everybody else has, but they are here to be able to support what the church is doing, to support the ministry. And I'm thankful for that. The truth of the matter is, if I'm understanding this right, uh, Mr. Archer was the one that invited the bishops to church here, right? So you can thank Isabel and Aubrey Archer for Rick and Lauren Bishop being here. Now, you take that however you want. But, um, but I am thankful that we have people here today because even though Mr. Archer wasn't involved in a bunch of ministries of the church, he saw enough need in people being here that he showed up and was here every time that he could be here and then invited other people that have become major parts of this church. Also, Miss um, um, Christine Morris. And Miss Christine was a woman that... Um, she, if I'm not mistaken, and she's no longer here and her husband was gone before her, but I am pretty sure that her and her husband were part of the originals, right? Part of the originals of Wells Baptist Church from way back when. And they are the ones that have continued to keep a church going in this community for so long. And so again, I just want to bring them up and remember them today because again... Homecoming is a celebration of our heritage, where we came from, where we are, how we got here. And if you have enjoyed and have grown from the ministry of this church, if you've been loved on, if you have felt the love of Christ from this church, you owe a big thank you to these people. Can I just tell you that? 
And so today I want to remember people like Aubrey Archer and Miss Christine Morris. Another one is Mr. Wayne Bay. Wayne. Wayne B. Wayne started in 1984 after the church started back up with Mac Pinkleton. And so it was after the church had closed and it started back up and Mac is preaching and Wayne and Faye start coming then. Wayne was one of the ones that um, he got Francis and Fagan going to church here. Uh, Francis and Fagan probably would not be coming to church here if it weren't for Wayne and Faye B. Faye B, I believe, was the one that was taking Nick and was it Nick and Thomas to church back then? Is that who it was? Yeah. And so Faye was one that was taking Nick and Thomas to church back then, and then they got Francis and Fagan going. So if you have enjoyed the ministry of the King family at all, anybody in here enjoyed that at all? If you've enjoyed the ministry of the King family at all, then it goes back to this man right here and this woman right here. They are the ones that invited the King family to be a part of this church. Which is how I end. That's exactly right. <clears throat> so anyway, we could go on and on, but if but they, we owe that thank you to these people. And so Wayne, uh, he he took place in a lot of ministries in this place. Uh, one of the ones that he took place, he used to drive the the turtle bus that we had, I believe it was, for the women's ministry. And we don't have time for the stories on that. But um, Wayne always, if the women's ministry, the women's ministry used to do a lot more in here. And they would go everywhere. And so Wayne was their driver for that. And he was always the one going with them. Wayne used to love to sing in the choir when we were up here. Uh, Wayne, Wayne would always be up here singing in the choir. Wayne was a deacon of the church for many years. He was just a very long-suffering, a patient, uh, uh, just a kind, kind gentleman. And, um, you know, again, um, I got my little note here, but Fagan told me that he was determined that he wasn't going to church. But after one Sunday of just appeasing Wayne that he was finally going to come, he became a faithful member of this church for many, many years. After being determined in his head, I'm not going to church. And so again, there's so much that we owe thanks to them. Uh, Michelle Carpenter is another one. Uh, Michelle started the church at Wells in 2002. And uh, this was right after the church had burned. Her and Kirby, I think, were the last wedding in the old church, if I remember. And, um, but they didn't start going to church here until 2002 in the new church. But she was a very active person in the ministry of the Fellowship of Christian Hunters. Uh, if they did anything, she was always a part of it. Uh, she was a servant of the Lord in the Awanas ministry. Uh, she served with the hospitality committee. She was a Sunday school teacher for 16 years. Um, she was always willing to serve the people of the church, especially to those that had any kind of need. And you would never know the things that she was doing. I cannot begin to tell you the stories of the things that her and Kirby, but especially her, have done for Bill and Mary McGrew over the years. Um, I, I wished I had time to tell you. I got some funny ones on Michelle with Bill and Mary, but we can't go there right now. <clears throat> you know, Michelle was one of those that she didn't express love very well. She was not one of those that was good at, at expressing her love. Uh, she was one of those that was more about demonstrating love. The only time you would really see a lot of love come from Michelle is when her compassion would come out for you. And so if she saw that you were in need, she was easily broken in her heart for other people. But she could also be the hard-heartedest person you've ever been around in your life too. But this is just who she was. And, and she, was a, she was a beautiful person when you got to know her, and she served this church so well. They actually painted a mural back here on the wall um, uh, uh, and the children's classroom that she taught in for so many years. And, and again, um, 
you may not know it, but there have been so many children in this church that have been blessed because of um, the ministries that she served in throughout the years. So again, we owe a huge thank you to Michelle as well. Also a young lady, I say young lady, Ms. Faye Ward. Ms. Faye Ward went to the old church, but we're not sure what year she started, but we do remember her being in, in the old church before it burned. Um, she was one of those that she was like uh, a lot of us in here. She went against the grain of her family because her family was actually of other denominations and they told her on a regular basis how wrong she was for attending a Baptist church. And, um, and so there are many of us in here that have that same story. Uh, but she felt like this was where the Lord had led her to and she continued to go here. She was an amazing woman, amazing friend to so many, especially to a lot of the women here in this church. Um, in later years when her health started failing her, she had a heart condition, some breathing issues, but no matter what, um, she was always here. She, her legs swelled up so bad that she couldn't get around, but she did not miss. She was always a part of this church. Um, she, she loved serving in the, uh, the sewing ministry on Monday nights. She was always a big part of the sewing ministry. She loved sitting with the elderly and taking care of the elderly. That was uh, uh, one of her main things that she done later on in life was sitting with, uh, with elderly people and just caring for them. Um, and then she was, um, she was no stranger to a sewing machine is what it says. And her and Wanda Donovan got in trouble every Monday night because we couldn't do a lesson without those two starting giggling. So um, a lot of good relationships there. She would volunteer to take stuff from the prayer dog class to the nursing homes or to the dialysis centers or to the hospitals. Even when she could barely walk, she was always serving the people of the community with the ministries that, that the women did here at this church. She was a woman that when she spoke, you should have listened because she was a wise woman. She was the only woman that could actually make you know that you were wrong just by giving you a look. <clears throat> she didn't have to say a word. <clears throat> she loved to talk on the phone. She could get on the phone at 8 o'clock at night and at 3 o'clock in the morning you'd still be saying, now Ms. Ward, i got to go. Um, but she, she, loved to, she loved to talk even though you didn't hear her say much in public. She loved to talk personally to people. <clears throat> She would move her mouth during singing. She would sit right back there with Miss Wanda sitting now. She would move her mouth during singing, but she would never actually sing. No words would ever actually come out. She would just move her mouth and mouth the words. And it was because her, when she was little, one of her family members told her that she sounded bad when she sung. And so she grew in that habit that she wouldn't sing in public. But she was still going to worship the Lord. She just wasn't going to let it come out. And so I always thought that was a very interesting uh, thing about her as well. But Ms. Ward was a beautiful, beautiful lady and uh, again, just a faithful member of the church and we owe so much to her as well for uh, just being a part of this um, church in this community. Mr. Mark Curley, Mark and Brenda and, uh, and then family right after them started attending here in the fall of 2006. And so they were here, they've been here for a long time as well. Mark served on the baptismal committee for several years, and every time I did a baptism for the men back here, I never had to ask, I never had to say nothing. If there was a baptism and he knew that somebody was in there, he'd just moseying back with his old slow self, and he'd come in there and he'd get a towel down, and he would get one of the handkerchiefs down and give it to me, and then he would just do his job. Uh, he knew exactly what he was supposed to do. He enjoyed working on uh, props and building props for if y'all any of y'all will remember the hee halls and the Christmas plays that we used to do every year. And they were big. We used to do those up real big. And Mark Curley was responsible for the majority of the big props that were built. 
And then his family and daughters were always the ones that were uh, drawing, and they're the artists of the group, but the Curley family has always played such a huge role in all of those things. He loved to, um, to joke around. Mark was one of those that if you ever said something to him, he was going to joke with you. He was going to try to make you laugh. And there was, there was two people in here that he enjoyed doing that most, and that was Shirley and Amanda. He loved cutting up and joking with them. He played the handbells at Wells for nine years, and he enjoyed it very much because his family loved to do it as well. Um, he always took his family to church. He always made sure his family was in church. Um, he always enjoyed talking deer hunting to Nick and to the Fellowship of Christian Hunters, and uh, he, that was something they had in common. Um, he had just a laid-back personality. Uh, he didn't get all worked up about things that didn't really matter. He just was just laid back and just an easygoing guy. He loved his church family and his family very dearly. He was very proud of his kids and grandkids, and, and he just loved the, the, everybody just joking and picking with them and just being a part of this church, and he was a very committed part of this church as well. Gene and Joanne Long. Gene uh, and Joanne Long are another part of this church that they began attending just a few years before it burned. And uh, Mr. Gene was a deacon here for many, many years. Actually, I think he came in here as a deacon. I, I don't know the history behind that, but he was a deacon for many, many years. But um, his ministry first began with his love for his Lord and his knowledge of the Bible. He was a disciple that liked to share his love for the Lord, and he loved to share his knowledge of the Bible with Sunday school classes or anybody that he saw out in life, but especially here at the church. God was first in his life no matter what. And he lived it by standing up for what was right in his faith. And he didn't care what other people, if he'd go against the grain, and y'all know Mr. Long, uh, he, he didn't care to stand up and go against the grain. But at the same time, uh, if he knew something was right and he, he would stand up, if the church decided to do something, he would go with them and he would support them uh, even if he disagreed with it. But he had a special fellowship with his church members and, and a love like no other for them. He was a sinner. Um, he didn't live a perfect life. But there was never a doubt about Mr. Long's faith. He was a man of great faith. As I told you before, he served as a deacon, a Sunday school teacher. He was a song leader at Rock Springs uh, before he came here. Uh, he was always ready and willing to help, help, help anyone with um, uh, needs that they have or he supported county revivals that we did, vacation Bible school, men's conferences he was always a big part of. He supported missions and the mission projects. Um, uh, they One of the pews out here, they purchased whenever the church built back up. Um, he purchased, him and his wife purchased one of the pews out here to, to help get that going. Um, he was part of the building of the new church, visiting hospitals. Uh, he was always there when others were having difficult procedures done, different surgeries. He, he was a, a big visitation person. He just loved showing his love for others. <clears throat> and as many witnessed, and Patricia wrote this, so... Y'all will remember this and you'll get a kick out of it. As many witnessed, he was always ready to stand up before the congregation and share his opinion. Uh, but he would stand up there and he'd say, well, I, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. <clears throat> and um, that was just who he was. Um, Ms. Long, Ms. Joanne Long, she loved going to church and being with her Christian friends. She talked about all throughout her lifetime. She loved her church family. She shared her love for God through song. She loved to sing. and She loved especially to sing with Mary and Martha. And um, <clears throat> she loved to tell people how great her Lord was through song. They sang at church events. Um, 
They sang, sang at uh, nursing homes and different places. She was always ready to prepare meals for anyone who was sick and those who had lost loved ones. She was a big part of that. Uh, though she had many physical issues with her own body and wasn't as active as, as Jean was, she would always reach out and show her love for God by phone calls and visitations and cards. I know her and Meemaw talked on the phone all the time. Uh, she was always checking on different people of the church just uh, by what she could do. A uh, big part of the card ministry as well. We, we would get cards from her from time to time and she would send cards to people just to, just to support them during tough times. <clears throat> she was just a, a woman that was always there and always loved to, to be there for people that needed love and show support for them during difficult times. She loved getting flowers for the auditorium for each. She was always the one that was responsible for getting our flowers for the auditorium and for decorating it. She said many times that growing up she had very little and since God had blessed her with family and friends, she wanted to share her love of God with them and, and witness to her, witness to them for that. There's many special memories, but one of the special memories that, that Patricia brought up was that Mr. Gene had to have open heart surgery one time, and it was bad. And the doctors told him that he might not make it through it. And the whole family was very devastated, especially Ms. Joanne. She began making phone calls to people like Eddie Shirley, Brother David Gallagher, Meemaw, Martha, and Tommy. That's just to name a few. But a prayer chain began. And it was the morning of the surgery. And as Patricia looked up and looked around, she said, here comes a large group of Wells Christians walking toward them. And they were there to support the family. She said, I had been in church all my life, but at that moment I cannot tell you how the people of Wells Church touched my heart. I saw how God worked in the hearts of His children and the church. I saw and felt the love and comfort with prayer that they showed Mama and all of us as well. Not only did they comfort us, but others around us going through the same thing they were there for. <clears throat> and the message was simply this. God is in control. He's the great physician working through the doctors. Our prayers, our love are here for you. May God comfort you and His will be done. And again, that comes from Ms. Patricia. And she said, it just seemed that this group of Christians, um, though small, they, she said it seemed to her that they had it all right. They were so close to each other in their daily life and trials and each other's lives, and, and it showed. All, of it took, all it took was one phone call, and that's what took place. It was personal to them. Though many of them have gone on, they have a special ministry that impacted their many lives, and she said that she will never forget. So that's Jean and Joanne Long. Now we get to Ms. Mary McGrew. Who let the dogs out? <laughs> Ms. Mary was just a special person. She began going to church at the old wells around, um, I think it would have been around 97 or 98 because her and Bill got married in 97. And um, I think it would have been 98 whenever they started going. But Mary and Bill loved the Wells church and their church family. Mary loved singing in the choir. She began singing when she was really young. And this was the way that she communicated the most with Christ and how she worshipped. And I don't know if you can remember, but Mary was the loudest one in the choir. Nobody sung louder than Mary. And old Bill would be sitting up here on this front row right here and he'd be agging her on. Go louder, Mary. Get louder, Mary. He just loved to hear her sing. And she loved to sing in the choir. <clears throat> but, and that, and that was my next thing here. Bill loved to hear Mary sing. She was an active member of the Gospel Music Association. She loved to sing for Jesus with Martha, her twin sister. Mary loved her Wells family, and, and you knew that she could always, and she knew that she could always count on them. 
One of the, the favorite memories that they had was going to L.A.J., Georgia with the marriage retreat, and I got a lot of stories about that. <laughs> she loved going with uh, Tommy and Martha to gospel music events, and, um, and, and the last special memory that they had was uh, the, the tea that, that the people did for her right before she passed away, and just again, just being there to support her and love on her through this time. But Mary was another dedicated member of this church. Then we got Mr. Tommy Barnett. <laughs> Mr. Tommy Barnett, cowboy. Tommy and family, Martha, Leanne, Jason, they, they began attending Wales about 1990. So again, they were a part of the old church as well. And Tommy was an ordained deacon. He began that role right away after he started Wales. Uh, Tommy and Martha loved to teach. They taught Sunday school. They both uh, taught and worked in every VBS. Uh, they both taught and worked in the Awanas, every Awanas ministry that we've ever had. Uh, they used to be the ones that took the youth to the youth conferences every year to the YEC um, in Nashville youth conferences, and they would always help as chaperones and driving. Uh, Tommy and Martha loved old Southern gospel music. They had a singing group for many years called Dearest Friends. They traveled around singing at different churches, and Martha was always in the church choir, and, and they were always singing specials. Um, they were both active members in the Gospel Music Association. Tommy and Martha both loved to help with auction and benefits, and they were the ones that would always go around town. And uh, if you had a benefit in this community, anywhere, for anybody, I would say a big part of those donations came because Tommy and Martha went door to door to every business just humbly asking for donations for a good cause. And how many people do that? I mean, let's just be honest. I'm not that guy. Can I just tell you that? I'm not that guy. But Tommy and Martha, they, they were just special at that. They loved to do it. If they could help somebody else, that's why they enjoyed it. Uh, the very th last thing that Tommy ever got to help with was collecting donations for Nick's benefit. And he looked fo so forward to, to going to that. But he, uh, and you know, instead of going to that, he got to go see Nick firsthand. So um, he, got it e he got an even better reward for a result of that. Tommy and Martha supported every ministry. They were leaders. They were workers. Uh, when we were going house to house sharing Jesus with people. Tommy was out there on a walker going house to house sharing Jesus with people. They went to the marriage retreat until they no longer could. And their favorite was always Ella J. They, they brought a dish to every event for dinners, to feed families after deaths, or whatever it was that we were doing. They were always a part of it. They, uh, they attended many. I would almost say they attended every funeral. I don't remember ever having a funeral that I didn't look out and see Tommy and Martha Barnett. I don't remember it. And, um, and so, I mean, that's just, a, that's just a great testimony for them as well. Uh, Tommy and Martha were at the old church when it burned. They were there when we met at the association building. They were there and helped building the new church. Family has always been important to Tommy and Martha, and Wells was not just where they went to church. Wells was and is their family. <coughs> Eddie Smith, got just two more. Eddie Smith, oh Eddie was uh, my father-in-law and um, if it weren't for Eddie and his family, I would not be here today, I would not be your pastor. And, um, and so we owe so much to, to these especially, I think. But Eddie came to Wells Baptist Church after Chastity and Kanetha attended a vacation Bible school, much like Nick uh, Nick and Thomas and the King family did. But they came to Wells Baptist Church after the kids attended vacation Bible school and they came home and said, we want this church to be our church. 
And so this is where the Smith family began to go. After a few years, they asked Eddie to begin to serve as a deacon. He gladly accepted. Uh, time passed on. Brother Mac Pankleton, Ken Brauner, Charles Ingram were pastors. Um, uh, 2001, Brother Charles resigned and our church burned on September 5th, 2005. Uh, 2000, I'm sorry, September 5th, 2001. Uh, this was a very small congregation at that time. There was only 13 people there that Wednesday night before it burned. Um, and so again... If you've only got a few people attending and the church burns, are you tempted to maybe, maybe you don't need to build a building like this to build back? So we got to be thankful to the ones that were a big part of that, that saw a vision and saw that a, a church was needed in this community. Um, the church completely burned to the ground. Eddie spent hours with the FBI and with the police force trying to help them and trying to determine um, what we needed to do as far as... Uh, dealing with uh, someone burning the house down because it was arson. And so Eddie was a big part of trying to help with that. Um, Eddie took a year off work and focused on the rebuilding of Wells. Took a year off work just to head up the, the building project here at this church. <clears throat> someone brought to his attention that there was a group of missionaries that traveled and worked on churches. It was a team called Campers on Mission. And Eddie saw fit to get these guys to come in and they brought their campers and set up on the property, and he organized them along with contractors to get the process started, uh, and Eddie wasn't no contractor, he wasn't no real carpenter, he just stepped up and he took the, took the lead to organize it and put it together, but um, the missionaries along with many of the church members working together, they, they put as much of the labor into it as they could to help keep the cost down and rebuilt the church, and then the first Sunday in January 20th, we had our first service in this facility. And in addition to being a deacon, Eddie served as a music director for many years, a guitarist. He was the, one of the first ones that tricked me into singing in church. And so I never would have, um, and I'd have to sing with my back turned to the congregation because if I looked at you, nothing would come out. And so I'd have to turn, sing with my back turned to the congregation. But, um, but Eddie and his family, we did our first special together, and I think the first time I ever sung in church was um, a mansion over the hilltop was the name of the song. Eddie played the guitar, Shirley played the piano, and me and Chastity and Kanetha uh, sung the songs. And so uh, Eddie was a music director, bass guitarist, or uh, acoustic guitarist. He was a Sunday school teacher, uh, served on numerous committees. Um, he was always a big part of the, the bylaws that we have today. He was a big part of, of putting those together. He loved God. He loved his church. He was very welcoming to anybody that came into our family. He greeted everyone with a handshake, but after knowing you, he was always there to hug you and aggravate the stew out of you. That was Eddie Smith. And then we got Mr. Nick King. Nick began at Wells as just a young boy attending with his aunt, as we talked about earlier. And then, as we said, his family followed right along. He steered away from the church around eight, age 13 and only attended on special occasions, only time that he, he would come. And then after being married for three years, him and Amanda started back to Wells in the fall of 2001. It was right after the church had burned. And Nick was saved and baptized that following January in 2002. And I can still see it in my head today when Nick surrendered to the ministry and we were out at that association building. And I remember Nick going up and bowing down at the altar and... Um, and when he got up, um, the, everybody, the brother David and them made the announcement that, um, that God had called him to the ministry and that he was going to start pursuing the, the ministry. And it wasn't, 
too long before Nick was actually ministering, first as a youth pastor here at Wells from 2002 to 2003, and then he ended up going to, um, to New Hope Baptist Church for a little while, and then y'all went somewhere else. Yeah, Gum Springs first. That's right, Gum Springs Baptist Church, and then New Hope Baptist Church, and then somewhere around 2006 or 2007, Nick came to be the pastor here at Wells Baptist Church after Brother David had resigned. And then um, he continued till about 2008 or 2009, and he stepped down because, I'm quoting Nick here, he felt like there was somebody in this church that God needed for that role, um, and he stepped down, and uh, it wasn't long before I stepped up. And so um, uh, about a year later, I sit down with Nick at the water plant, and I said, you know, so Nick, you're still at this church, and you're just sitting on that pew right there. I said, don't you think we could do better together than we can solo? He said, yeah, we probably could. I said, well, I know Baptist churches ain't used to this, but what do you say we try to work together? And he said, I think that'd be a good idea. And we came and talked to the church about the plurality of pastors we see in the Bible, not the singularity of pastors we see in the Bible. And um, that started a, a partnership in the ministry like I would imagine few in this world have ever experienced. I don't know if Paul and Barnabas experienced the kind of ministry me and Nick King did. And so um, Nick served this church so faithfully for so many years. He was, um, um, they, they said here, associate pastor. Nick was never associate pastor. Nick was fellow senior pastor right along by my side. And if you ever wanted to kind of upset me a little, just call Nick the associate pastor. <clears throat> I didn't like that at all. Uh, we were pastors together and we worked together. But Nick served in the Awana ministry, was a big part of the Awana ministry and was commander for many years. Uh, Fellowship of Christian Hunters played a major role in that. Sunday school teacher for many years and fantastic Sunday school teacher at that. Marriage class, marriage counseling, uh, marriage retreat, they did every year. And then just everyday life, Nick was just a good Christian man and and I'm thankful that we could say he was a part of Wells Baptist Church because of the life that he lived outside of here. Once Nick was saved, Amanda said he took the role as the head of their household and the spiritual leader in their home very serious. He made sure that he was always studied up and always there to help guide the family along uh, with how they respond in certain things and just growing in their Christian faith. Uh, their relationship began with uh, Amanda being the more spiritual one, the more knowledgeable one. But it wasn't long. Nick surpassed her fast, very quickly. And he was the leader in the home, just exactly the way the Bible says the man is supposed to be. There are so many memories. Probably a few of the most significant memories are his surrender to become a minister, all of their time they spent in Awanas and just helping with marriages. They were such a big part of marriage counseling and marriage ministry. And they, again, I don't want you to raise your hand because everybody would have to. But there are so many people that if it weren't for Nick playing the part that he played with Amanda and family, you wouldn't be who you are today. Or maybe some of you wouldn't even be married today. Um, and so we, we owe so many things to so many people. I want to end and close with one last scripture from Hebrews chapter 12. This will be it. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. <clears throat> I want you to notice in verse 1 it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, 
Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now you'll remember that in Hebrews 11, that's the faith chapter, right? These are the mountains of faith. Abraham, Sarah, Moses, um, all, all, of the, all, uh, all of the greats of faith. And then he starts out in Hebrews chapter 12 and he says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. What's he talking about? Well, he's not saying that all of these guys are standing up in heaven and they're watching us and they're looking at us. Let me tell you something. If I go to heaven, or not, shouldn't have said it like that, should I? <laughs> when, when I go to heaven, let me say it right. When I go to heaven, I do not want to be sitting, it ain't going to be heaven for me if I'm having to sit up there watching all you knuckleheads. Heaven for me is I'm looking to Jesus. I'm seeing all that is going on. And the Bible doesn't teach us that our loved ones are there looking down on us. I know we like to feel that way, and it's a good sentiment. I know that. But let me tell you something. The Bible doesn't teach us that. But it does teach us that we have witnesses that have run the race before us. They have already ran their race. They have already... Um, lived out the faith in their life. And as a result of that, we're able to look at them as great examples of how to run our race. But he says here, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and I just laid a great cloud of witnesses out before you, and since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of those witnesses, here's what the command to us is today. Let us also, in other words, this is something they did, and now we need to do it. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. What is it that stops you from running your race of making disciples, of being made into a disciple? And again, that takes place in the church, right? And so, is there a weight that you carry that keeps you from being a part of the church the way that you should? Is there a sin that clings so closely to you that weighs you down and keeps you from running your race of faith? And he says here, as you look back at this cloud of witnesses that have already run their race and gone on and won their prize, now you make sure that you run your race. And you run it with endurance. What does endurance mean? It means a persistent, steady effort. You keep on, keeping on, keeping on. How many of you know the race gets tough, don't it? You ever wanted to quit? You run your race with endurance. You keep serving. You keep making disciples. You keep growing in your faith. And the only way you can do your race that is set before you, because your race is not Nick's race. That was Nick's race. Your race is not Tommy's or Eddie's race. That was their race. This is my race. This is your race. And now the question is, what is it that hinders you from running your race with endurance? Is there a weight? Is there a sin that clings so closely? And so this is a call for us to examine ourselves. And go to verse 2. And here's the way we do it. First off, remember, we look back at that cloud of witnesses and we look at their example of the race, right? And now we look to our greatest example. Here's how you're going to run your race with endurance. Look to who? Jesus. 
Keep your eyes fixed on Him. Yes, it's good for us to look back at Nick and Tommy and Eddie and all these that have run their race before us. It's good to remember them. It's good to honor them. But let me tell you something. They're not your perfect example. Jesus is your perfect example of how we run this race. And that's why we come in here and we study Him and we see how He ran His race. He is the founder. He is the perfecter of our faith. And the way that He ran His race, He did it with joy. Look what it says here. He did it with joy that was set before Him and He endured the cross because of His joy that He had. He, he despised the shame. In other words, there was so much shame in His ministry. He was naked many times. He was homeless many times. He said, foxes have holes and birds have nests. But the Son of Man, what? He was poor. He didn't have great clothes like the Pharisees had. Yet He despised the shame and He kept running His race. There was nothing that stopped Him from running His race. And then notice what happened as a result of it. And now He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so here's all I'd say to you this homecoming day. You have a race to run. And you're running it right now. There have been many before you that didn't finish it. There have been many before you that quit the race. And I'm telling you today, we have a great cloud of witness that have played such a role in all of our lives here today. Because again, if you have been affected by the ministry at this church at all, it is because of the people like I have just pointed back to in, in our service today. And so today, I want to make sure that you understand, now is your time to run your race. And my question to you is this. Are you going to make sure that this ministry continues on and on and on so that all the people that come in the future will still be ministered to? The truth will still be spoken in love. Disciples will still be made. And we will fulfill the great commission of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by the work that is done in the church, in the community at Wells Station. It's up to you. If you don't run your race, if you don't make sure you run it with endurance, then this ministry will one day diminish and it won't go on. And if you want people to be affected by it the way that you've been affected by it, now is your time. Now is your race. Serve. Minister. Find places to be a part of. Send cards. Make phone calls. Make visits. Uh, cook a meal. Uh, go to a funeral. Um, go, come to Sunday school, teach Sunday school, sing, be a part of the making of making disciples that the church is trying to accomplish here today and hopefully will continue to do in future generations. I would just want to say a big thank you to all the people. Even though they're not here, I want to say thank you to them. I am who I am today because of the part that they play. And many of you can say the same thing. So today we celebrate that. When we go out here and we eat over that, this is, this is a comfort food today. We're going to eat over this and we're going to celebrate. Yeah, it's Kentucky Fried Chicken. But let me tell you something. Y'all used to, when, when church was over, you used to be mad if we didn't get out here by 12 because you're going to have to wait in line at Kentucky Fried Chicken. Don't tell me you don't like no Kentucky Fried Chicken, all right? And there's a bunch of it. So come out here and celebrate with us and be a part of this homecoming meal. Uh, we're going to serve you today, and uh, I just pray that you celebrate 
Talk about these people that we mentioned today. Go to their families and thank them for them. Thank them for what they've done and the parts they played in your life. And let's celebrate what homecoming means to us today. Yeah, that's right. I was only able to pull in like the last year and a half. If I missed your loved one, I didn't mean to because there are so many more that I couldn't mention. One of my main ones would have been Charles Ingram. And most of y'all in here don't even know who he is. But if it weren't for him, I would not be who I am today. And so I'm, I'm thankful for so many that have played a part in it.